Hello and welcome to Polyweb. I'm your host, Sara Landi Tortoli, and my mission is to bring you the top entrepreneurs and builders across Web 2 and Web 3 to help you be successful at building and growing your company. Join us on this mission to build a better internet. I always say there are three ways which we can innovate. One is to win, one is to learn, and one is to get noticed. But also, let me tell you this. Today, I wouldn't place Web3 on the to win for the Nestle Group. That is more to learn or to get noticed. My guest today is Luca Dell'Orletta, the global head of tech innovation for the Nestle Group. Nestle is the world's largest food and beverage company with over 2,000 brands. In this episode, we sit down with Luca and we discuss his personal framework to evaluate and experimenting with new technologies. So basically it's focus, invest, connect, explore, learn, scale, and iterate. We also delve into the role of communities and brands in Web3, how brands should be rethinking themselves in the light of technological innovation, and some of the key challenges that comes when dealing with change at scale. Luca offers a ton of valuable insights for everyone interested in the crossroad between technology and branding. So please enjoy this conversation with Luca Dell'Orletta. Luca, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Sara. Thank you so much. I'm super happy of being here today. And I'm super happy to have you. You've been in the Nestle Group for quite some time now. Could you tell us about your journey before arriving to the group and also like inside Nestle? Indeed. Thank you, Sarah, for the, for the opportunity. I think my career overall can be divided in two big portions. The first one is about project management, business analysis, program management, a lot of that. I've been in two or three companies before um, landing to Nestle. And then seven years ago, almost seven years ago, I had the opportunity to build a mobile factory for the group, for Nestle Group. So uh, leading the mobile space at that moment, there was an incredibly booming ecosystem of mobile applications and mobile experiences. So from there, I've been then growing to the Internet of Things space and more into the marketing sales, the business space. And then eventually, since today, I'm heading IT innovation for the group. So technology innovation for the group. That's beautiful. So you mentioned you're heading the innovation at Nestle, right? What does innovation mean? And how do you innovate? A company that was born traditionally offline and serves clients around the globe. In general, Nestle has been innovating for over 150 years. It's a company that has been able to be very, very relevant for our customer consumers for so long. I love to describe innovation as solving problems that matters in a new way, which could be a new mindset, new perspective, new frameworks, and new technologies. And usually uh, we have the best um, experiences or best use cases where we are able to combine maybe a new mindset, a new framework with the new technologies together. And those are perfect ingredients to do something that really matter to our consumer, employees, customer, businesses, and, uh, and solve in a drastically different way some of those opportunity challenges or problems that we see every day. And most recently, Nestle is stepping into the web-free uh, space. How is Nestle leveraging web-free specifically? That's, that's a big question, Sarah. In general, let me uh, allow me to tell you this a small disclaimer. Of course, we, we went through Web 1 and then Web 2. And we have been in the Web 2 era for 10, 15 years. And if we describe Web 2 as, as an internet that is more centralized with um, big tech companies, uh, social platforms that, that own the space and then consumer consuming experiences within those, those tech platforms. Now, after one and two, usually <laughs> three comes. Uh, but what three is exactly? Uh, it's yet to be discovered and yet a little bit under construction, I would say. And I truly believe that we will see different paths, even different directions. We will see the industry, the internet industry overall, uh, pivoting and finding its own way. I'm, I'm never a black and white person. It, it, it reminds me a little bit when we were going from waterfall to agile, no? where waterfall was described as the evil and agile as the new paradise. 
Uh, for me, Web3 is a little bit like that. Web2 is not evil. Web3 is not paradise. Uh, but it's a lot about the gray aspects. It's a lot about the different degrees. So I think we will have to find ways where the central model that is that has been in use for those uh, 10, 15 years and the decentralized model of Web3 can, can actually converge into something that is meaningful for our consumer, employees, customer, businesses, etc. And I think in general for Nestlé, if we believe that that paradigm is going to be right, interoperability, portability, um, ownership of, uh, of consumer data, etc., then uh, we will have to explore how this could impact an organization like ours in, in the way we provide experiences to our customers, consumers, and employees, which are a fantastic community to be leveraged that is always willing to contribute to the, to the greater good. And it's a fantastic also playground for us to experience experiment web three uh, alike activities lots of things to to unpack here i agree with you i'm very much of the same mindset that you need to strike a balance between the internet that has been you know in the past 15 years and this is what also polyweb is all about right finding this kind of balance and the best of both worlds and you're quite a thinker also, because you put out many thoughtful posts on, on LinkedIn. So like more in general, where is it that Web2 and Web3 can coexist? Meaning what is the best that you can take out of both? And specifically then, what is it that you can take of both into Nestle? I think in general, if we think about Web3 uh, with this new paradigm, as I say, portability, interoperability, ownership and rewarding on creativity, etc. There are two main use, use cases where Web3, in the way we are thinking it today, could make more sense than Web2 as it is. One is when we think on those end-to-end processes where there are many players involved and you need to exchange data across the different players and you need one source of the truth. Uh, that's one aspect. So when you when you have several players and you need to exchange data, and we can experience that in our everyday life with uh, government, institutions, third-party certifiers, etc. And the, the second one is in those areas where there is a strong feeling of belonging. Uh, so I'm, I will be tapping now into the term of community. We have seen this more and more. But when there are these two aspects, so exchange of data with many players and community and strong sense of belonging, I think Web3 experiences are the right space because it's those kind of technologies can solve well these two aspects. So every use case that goes into that direction could be maybe best served with a Web3 approach. Outside that, there could be still many opportunities, but I think the model that we have today is still working very well. And, and an evolution of Web2 in that sense is possibly the most likely to happen. So I think we have, what we are seeing today is uh, we have use cases where Web3 could serve better and US cases where an evolution of Web2 as it is today will serve better. Uh, also, when, when it comes to Web3, there are some challenges that we are still facing, like I mentioned interoperability, portability, but that's not the case yet today. So if we build use cases or opportunities on top of those, of those uh, opportunities, uh, we might not fulfill the need of interoperability and portability because basically the tech and the ecosystem is not ready yet. So still I will see Web2 winning in that space and possibly we will see an evolution of 2.5 in, in many aspects. And maybe Web3 strongly entering in those two aspects that I just mentioned before. Yeah, that's certainly uh, an interesting point of view. I think it also depends on the mission of, of the company. There are certainly other aspects, uh, you know, that other uh, entities and companies can, can use of the Web3 space. But for Nestle in particular, how are you leveraging or you plan to leverage if it's not yet in place, right? That's also maybe something that we can deep dive, the aspects that you find most relevant. I think in, in a company as big as Nestle, there are definitely tons of use cases we are exploring. Uh, uh, just to be uh, clear, I made Web3 one of my focus areas when it comes to new transformational technologies, along with next artificial intelligence, 
the advancement of AR, XR, VR, so augmented reality, virtual reality, quantum computing, uh, blockchain in general. Those are areas that I think for me are very transformational when it comes to technology. Uh, specific to Web3, uh, as I said, there are possibly two angles of looking at that. One is the part related more to supply chain, manufacturing, logistics. And that's possibly is, the, is linking back to the first point I said, where you, where you have many players uh, contributing to an end-to-end process. Imagine our farms, our logistics suppliers, our agricultures, environment, etc. Uh, governments and, and third-party bodies, certifiers, etc. They need to exchange data. That's a perfect use case for uh, blockchain-like capabilities. The second is when we have, as I said before, b- just to give some example, brands that are very, very iconic and, and have a strong sense of community, like Nespresso could be one. Uh, Perrier, uh, our sparkling water could be another one. Uh, Maggi noodles it could be one in India, for instance, where you, where you have consumers that are very attached to a specific brands and want to contribute to how that brand is, is also moving forward. Uh, that's another way of leveraging non-fungible tokens or digital assets uh, to deepen our relations with our customers and consumers. And that's areas we are exploring today in those specific iconic brands to, as I said, strengthen the relation, maybe provide experiences that, that go that are a bit extra uh, if you own a specific digital asset uh, or collectible, etc. And the third case is, is mostly in the, imagine in the employee space. As I said before, employees are a fantastic way of leveraging our community. And Nestle, we have around 270,000 employees. And even for my own positions, we do a lot of open innovation or crowdsourcing innovation. So we, we go back to our employees to see how they would go and innovate in certain problems or areas that we are trying to tackle today. And think of the power of 270,000 people that could leverage this decentralized ecosystem within a more central ecosystem, which is the brand itself, the company itself, and unlock the power of those individuals in a community-like, DAO-like approach with some logics that go through smart contracts, et cetera, when it comes to open innovation or crowdsourcing innovation. That's another area we are exploring today. It's very, very close to my heart because it's also something that I do every day. And I see an opportunity for leveraging Web3 in that space as well. So the enterprise space, I think, is something that we are overlooking a little bit today, but will be very, very big in three to four years from now. I I agree with you, and I certainly find it very, very fascinated as a space and definitely undervalued, or at least with a lot of um, still discovery to do and experimentation to do, because it's a lot about governance, you know, yeah, and experimenting with different models. I don't know. What's your take on that? I'm curious. Well, that's that's a difficult one. Uh, I will say today we need to we can't think, when it comes to Web3, we should not be thinking with our mind, uh, with our Web2 mind o- on how things were done before. And that's, uh, that's my first advice to everyone. When, also, when it comes to customer intimacy uh, or leveraging the employees, as I said before, we need to change the paradigm and go toward new business models, which are regula- regulated in a different way, and which will be giving different kinds of benefits. I always say there are three ways which we can innovate. One is to win, one is to learn, and one is to get noticed. Uh, and for someone that is in my posi- position heading technology innovation for the group, you need to be very clear if you're doing something for winning, for learning, or for getting noticed. And there is nothing wrong on the tree. But also let me tell you this. Today, I wouldn't place Web3 on the to win for the Nestle group in the sense that it's a very shaky environment. It's unstable. We have seen tons of, of announcements and episodes that have been happening in the crypto space, etc. But also, as I said before, the interoperability, some of the challenges, the user experience is not there yet. So, so for us, Web3 is not yet to win, but it's more to learn or to get noticed, could, could even be. And there are many things you are doing in the to win sometimes that you cannot even say to, to the outside. So you cannot get noticed on that. So there are some things we do 
to learn and some things we do to get noticed. And it's very important that depending on why you're doing innovation, you act in a different way and you measure it in a different way. So also in terms of regulations, in terms of KPIs, in terms of measure of success, etc. And I guess everyone needs to be very clear on where you are playing and why you're doing that. I love the direction of this conversation where it's going. Yeah. So lots to unpack with this answer that you just gave. So let's talk strategy. When you leverage innovation, is either to win, to learn, or to get noticed, right? But what is the strategy that Nestle has adopted when entering the web free space? And how do you set this strategy, right? You mentioned that you're doing this to win. But what does he mean exactly? And how do you get the buy-in? Because at your level, one of the most important things is crafting the strategy and then getting the buy-in of the group to execute it, right? When it comes to the strategies or my actually very personal approach, I have a rule which I call PHLC. It reminds me a little bit of Fibonacci mathematician. And, and that's a way for me also, Can you also to that? remember it. PHLC. And I will now... Tell you what is this about? So basically, it's focus, invest, connect, explore, learn, scale, and iterate. Okay. And this is a rule I apply for everything I do in innovation. Uh, first of all, I do select areas where I want to focus and that I believe are going to have an impact for the organization in the long run. As you said, you need to convince people. You need to let them see what we possibly don't see today. And we need to be very careful um, because when I'm going back to my organization to say we should focus on this, this, and this, I'm leaving out maybe 95% of the other things. So I need to be very, very good when it comes to understanding what could have a huge impact for Nestlé and what could have an impact, but not necessarily that big for us as a group in the space where we, where we are playing today. So first is focusing and understanding what are those areas I mentioned before next artificial intelligence or, or quantum is very long run. But if, if quantum arrives and when it will arrive, we'll change a lot of what we do in terms of um, crypto space, in terms of the algorithms that you use, processes, etc. But in general, the first one is to identify three or four areas where we do believe that the group should be focusing on when it comes to new technologies and information technology. And Web3 is one of those. The second is invest. If you believe that is going to be big for your organization, you got to be bold. And that's uh, possibly one of the most difficult aspects. You got to be bold in all aspects. One, in, in the resources you're having, in the money you're putting on, in, in, the, in the exposure you're going to have. For instance, for the Web3 or Metaverse, I'm, I belong to maybe, for instance, the Metaverse Standards Forum, where I'm there to contribute more than to receive. Uh, because I also have a responsibility being in a brand such as Nestlé to contribute to what's going next, uh, what's, what's being designed when it comes to the future of our, of our internet, and then it's, it's going to be consumed by, by our consumers as well. After the invest is the connect, is the ability to connect the, the pe- with the people you mentioned, the builder world, which is for me super important. It's really with the people that is building, shaping the space right now. I remember I connected few months ago with the, with the p- developer that was building some smart com- contracts in Laos. And we had a three hours conversation on, on how he was experiencing the build of these uh, smart contracts in Ethereum, etc. Because I know that if I'm going to build a use case on top of those infrastructures, I need to understand exactly what's going on on those infrastructures, b- besides doing that myself. And then when it comes to, to strategy, say, explore. Do as many things as you can uh, and learn from it. In general, in, in areas such as Web3, which are still unshaped, I'm doing many things, around 10 to 15 uh, different activities with different brands in different areas, categories, a bit in supply chain, a bit with employees, etc. And out of those, I would expect that maybe two will succeed two or three, maybe. And that's my expectation. I will not uh, assume that the 10 or the 15 will succeed, but it's a lot about setting the expectation right. We are learning from that. We are not doing that for winning. Uh, Otherwise, we will take a different approach. We are learning from that. And maybe we are learning on which use case eh, we could then win uh, 
as Nestlé and as a group. And then as soon as we see something that is working, we scale it and then iterate, of course. Thank you, Luca, for sharing your framework. I'm taking notes as well for myself. <laughs> it's, it's really fantastic. You mentioned that at any given time, you're like, you have like 10 to 15 initiatives that you're experimenting with going on at the same time. So my next question as a product manager myself is, how do you set up those experiments in a way that it's rapid and cost efficient for the group? And the second question related to that, how do you know when and if you are successful and therefore you pick those two big bets that you say, okay, this is what I'm going to streamline for the entire group. Indeed. And as I said, there are different measures of success uh, depending on why you're doing something. So if you are doing something to win, I'll give you an example. We have, we have just moved all our infrastructure to the cloud. It's been a big journey to cloud for the Nestle group. And we do that for, for winning or any competitive advantage of leveraging cloud capabilities that will allow us to be more agile, more, more flexible and go at, at, at a faster speed. That we manage it as a big program. And then you can imagine there is a business case behind, there is a return of investment, there are weekly updates to the stakeholders, etc. That's one kind of activity that we have in big digital transformation that we need to make them happen to succeed and to stay relevant uh, as Nestle. The explorations, we treat them in a very different way. First of all, Sarah, I'm not interested in receiving weekly updates on, on how an experiment is going. This is something I, I, I say to the team. Uh, I don't need too much bureaucracy or admin or process when it comes to experimentation. Uh, experimentation needs to be very quick. Uh, the investments are relatively small, but are very distributed. So that, uh, that we know that if it doesn't go well, it's okay. We knew that that was the amount of resources, investment that we had done, and it simply didn't work out. And mentioning AI, in AI, for instance, 70, 80% of the things you do don't succeed. Maybe the, the results is that the algorithm is not good enough or that maybe it cannot be solved with AI. And that's fine. People in AI is used to those kind of, uh, of KPIs and success rate. In, in Web3, I would say it's pretty much the same. Now, what we do at the end of every experimentation is our point of view that we provide them back to the, uh, to the organization, our technical point of view. So we, we might say this, we are tried onboarding with a small subset of employees in a metaverse slash NFTs experience where they get rewarded if they take more learnings, etc. Uh, if that is working, we write down that for us, Web3 and Metaverse could be impactful in the employee engagement and onboarding space. And we will send that back to our HR organization as a suggestion, as a recommendation, maybe to have that within their programs for the next year. Actually, this is the case in our overall strategy. We have, of course, a more and more um, willingness to experiment new ways of engaging with our employees, etc. So definitely that win-win situation where we see a technology being a good serve of a, of a strategy, which we call People 2025 strategy for Nestle. Uh, but in general, I would say those te technical point of view are a, a scale from one to 10 on how much we believe that could be impactful for the organization based on the outcome of that specific experiment. And then possibly that is going to be the basis for the next mastering. <laughs> activity that we might set for, for the years to come. This is quite ambitious and frankly, quite complex of have, having so many things going on at any given time, right? And, and I think it's many things going on and you got to be surrounded by the right people. And so people yeah. that, are, that have an entrepreneurship uh, mindset, and you mentioned before, you, you are a product person, you need to have product person as well in innovation. People that can combine the two sources, one is the data they are getting, and one is the, their feeling, their gut feeling on how this is going, where this could be. And there is a, these two components. One is the analytical, the scientist part of what every product could give you, of every experimentation could give you. 
The other one is your having been in that field, in the innovation field for long, what would you say about it? What would you think? Sometimes we are wrong, but in general, we tend to improve our own algorithms on understanding when something could have a huge impact for the organization, when something is possibly going to have a huge impact for the world, but not necessarily for us. And then we let it go because if something I learned in innovation is that you've got to be incredibly focused, incredibly focused. Otherwise, you, you spread your efforts all over the places. You go in a fear of missing out mode, which is happening every day on, based on what you see others doing. And, and, and you don't get to make an impact anywhere because you are trying to be everywhere. So being very, very focused and defining what your battles are going to be and what you want really to innovate. And how do you define that? I totally agree with you. But since this space, there are so many things going on at the same time. So especially if you do innovation in general, of course, you have many technologies to choose from first and many use cases to choose from first, right? That's the first thing. But let's say you isolate web free, you know, and everything that goes with web free, you know, that it's already huge, right? It can be, I don't know tokenization it can be yes. the metaverse it can be the blockchain uh, and utilizing the blockchain for supply chain you know like many many things right so how do you focus uh, and how do you choose what's your even your personal framework right to choose which battle are you gonna pick and which one you're not for now usually uh, when you do this for for living Yesterday, I do, I do innovation for living since, uh, since this year. And it's slightly different. Everyone does innovation as a role. Everyone has, a, has its component of innovation that brings on the table. But when you do it for living, as you said, you got to be very, you got to have industrial ways of doing it. So you got to have ways of, that are very scientific on, on doing that, which is, uh, which is a little bit difficult. The way I do it is, uh, is this one, Sarah. One from one side, I have all the research firms, the Gartner, the McKinsey, the Forrester. And every single day I go through and I have, we have our radar on what's, what they say would be the next thing in general. And that's one input. The second input is what did we do in innovation over the past five, 10 years? Uh, allow me to give you an example. Today, if you are not good at doing the customer intimacy with your CRM systems and the loyalty platforms. There is no reason to do that with Web3. Technology is, going to, is not going to help you in any way of doing that better if your processes of customer experience are not good enough today. If, you are, if the, the quality of your data is not good enough, leveraging AI, AI today doesn't make too much sense. So... One is research firms. Two is what did we do the past 10 years? And what's our level of maturity? If everyone says we should be doing Connect Factory next year, are we sure that we have the, the proper networking in place, the proper cloud capacity in place, the proper devices, the proper, proper internet of things in place? So if we didn't do these four things, it's simply useless to go directly to connected factoring. So it's a lot depending on the maturity or where you stand. So based on what we have today and the things we do well today, is that the right thing to do? Uh, And the third thing is, Sarah, our business priorities. Business priorities, of course, are are, are our North Star, are uh, independent from the technology. And so... We also need to make sure that whatever we propose back to the stakeholders and to, to, to the board is to support those business priorities. We could find something that is very, very valuable and maybe could be even big for us, but it's not necessarily attuned to the business priority. And as I said before, focus is key. So we also need to make sure that whatever we propose, it's going to accelerate those business priorities that are a must win for the group. So if we take the research firms, what did we do? So our maturity today and our business priorities, that will give us the three ingredients for us to choose where we want to focus based on, on, on what the industry believes, what we did do and what 
our boards and our priorities were. How do you know if your your strategy was successful? Like, what is what are the signal signals that you're looking in the market or internally if you're doing an internal initiative that signals to you, yes, we can continue, we can go this way, you know, and we can build on top. I think it's many things. I think there is one component that is the technology which we explore and try to understand how relevant that could be for the group. For me, the, the signal that is the most impactful when it comes to this kind of technology is when I start seeing uh, business managers, brand people, uh, head of factories, uh, which come with very powerful use cases that we had kind of anticipated, but that definitely those kind of technologies could empower or power. The more I see that, the more I realize that at scale, we are doing that well, and it's the path we should be going. Sometimes we could, tech, technology-flavored people could get very excited about something, a new technology, even maybe blockchain, something I'm really passionate about it. But then you discover that maybe from a business perspective, there are other and maybe even better ways of solving that specific problem that leveraging a blockchain. Sometimes I ask myself, can this be done with a normal database and any other way of doing it. Um, um, today, reading uh, No Rules Rules from uh, the Netflix story, which is a 300 pages book, which talks a lot about innovation and has no references to technologies. No? So uh, in most of the cases, what my question to myself, to my team, etc., is, is technology today answering a concrete business problem in the best way possible, or maybe it's a change of process, maybe it's a change of framework, maybe it's simply a change of, of perspective and doing it differently. But in general, when we, today, Sarah, and I haven't experienced that in the past 10, 20 years as today, we are an incredibly convergence of artificial intelligence, evolution of networking, evolution of augmented reality, virtual reality, extended reality, the blockchain convergence, all going toward the same direction, something called maybe Web3, maybe Metaverse, or maybe the two of them, which is going to revolutionize the world. And on that, I'm pretty sure. The more I learn about it, the more I do things on it, the more I'm sure that we are living in incredible time because those were all fields that were going their direction. And going back to your question, the more I see people adopting and understanding the uh, the benefits of using maybe a more decentralized model that could be without even taking care of what's the technology behind, the more I understand we are doing the things right and, and focusing a little bit less on technology and more on the experience that we provide to our employee, consumer, customer, and businesses. That's true. And like f- continuing on this kind of direction, how... Can brands uh, born uh, before the internet? Uh, how do you think they should rethink their business model? Because I think it's it's about that actually to to take advantage of this increasingly digitalized world that probably is moving towards the metaverse. Even indeed, that's uh, that's uh, in general a big question. Most of the brands today need to ask themselves, what is our role if the world, if the digital world is going towards a more decentralized model? What are we going to do? Uh, imagine a, a, a central bank, uh, which is usually providing central uh, services to its uh, customers and consumers. What's their role in that more decentralized model? Uh, I think it's more Going back to, to our initial conversation is understanding in your process where you have those end-to-ends where require many players to contribute into and where you have a strong community behind what you are doing. If you are fulfilling one of the two, then I think you should be eligible for entering into the Web3, even if your digital presence today is not that big. Going back to the example of the digital banks, if you ask for a mortgage today, the, the process is quite long. It took me months 
And uh, definitely, yes, there is a central bank, but there are also tons of different players that contribute into that. And then even a central organization as a bank will think on how they could leverage Web3 and blockchain capabilities to strengthen their relation and make it almost immediate to verify what is my account balance, my balance, my, my financial statement, positions, uh, the, the, the capitals I have, etc. cetera. Uh, so short and time to market for the services they provide. So still within a central, if you wish, body, but yet leveraging distributed capabilities. Uh, I read a couple of days ago an article, and I fully agree with it. Uh, we brands need to get used to have less control. Um, i give you an example. We are implementing, we are exploring uh, MetaMask and Wallet in general uh, for our experiences, for our brands. But the first thing every brand manager wants to have when you have uh, a user connecting through the wallet is their email address or phone number. We need the, the contacts. We need the records in our databases, etc. We must move away from that thinking. It might be that in the future, we don't have those kind of data or the, those kind of data is not our exclusive ownership, but it may be distributed on a chain and the users, they will understand or they will opt in or opt out or make us see some of their data or not. And therefore we need to change our mind on that and we need to be start getting ready that that could happen and could actually be good for our consumer, but also for us we need to think differently. And I don't have, honestly, the winning recipe uh, today, but uh, two things are for sure. One is there are people that is willing to contribute to the future. People is more and more looking after a sense of belonging and a sense of contribution on sustainability, on a better future in general. So we brands must leverage that and, and get the, that willingness on board and, and, and be enablers more than a central body um, organizing or orchestrating, being facilitators and, and enablers. And I think it's, we, it will require different thinking. And everyone is in, in his own business needs to think, who is my community and what's making my community complex user experience when it comes to consuming my products. Could that be simplified or could that be shortened if I use some decentralized capability and the data is distributed? Could that be a better experience for everyone, for me and for my consumer or customers? Those are the two questions that Web3 could, could nicely answer. Yeah. And we need also, as you mentioned, to shift a little bit like our mindset and maybe really the business model, because today you mentioned the data. Maybe one day we don't ask any more about emails and phone numbers, but until the internet, the main source of monetization of the internet is advertising. That maybe it's a bit difficult, but if you move to web free, that is natively, you know, monetized, like the monetization is in the browser, right? Mm -hmm then you, all of a sudden, maybe you don't need these anymore. And then these enable you to build maybe, I don't know, more ethical products if you want, Indeed. right? And use other type of data in a way that also protect users, etc. So I'm totally on board with that. You mentioned something that you're doing at Lensla, which I love, which is communities. What do you think is the role of communities? And how are you planning to leverage that inside the Nestle group? In general, a community, as I said, are um, a group of people with, with a strong sense of belonging and a willingness to contribute for the greater good in general. Uh, we, as Nestle, we have the uh, responsibility to put together a lot of communities. I said before, maybe the the coffee makers, with uh, the, the, the plantations, with the farmers, with the um, local logistic operators, etc. Each of them is a community. And therefore, going back to the question, how do the brand relate into that? Well, we could be the enabler of putting those communities together, uh, looking at the greater good with data that is shared in, in a way that is very transparent, available to everyone, and everyone can contribute. 
uh, for something that is even a greater cost to the brands, but, but really for humanity. And that could be sustainability, could be healthy, etc., uh, etc. Et so I think that's, uh, that's something, that's the role of someone as big as Nestlé with, uh, with these responsibilities. And then uh, I will say we need to be good enough at scouting where we have those communities, that those strong sense of, of, of belonging, where we already have huge memberships, for instance, um, with programs already in place that could get to the next level if we start leveraging uh, the new capabilities that Web3 could, would actually give us. And the third one, and we mentioned this already, but is the power of the enterprise uh, communities. Uh, we could even think on, on communities that are cross industries, and which, which are consortium are a community today. Uh, memberships in general are communities today. Meetups are communities. How do, how can we enable uh, that with usage of Web3 at a larger, a greater scale? And those could be uh, all very, very interesting for me to explore use cases. Absolutely. In your exploring, what are your main challenges and what do you think is missing? Like, for example, when you go to your discovery and then you're trying to implement some of these experiments, like on a larger scale, what is the most difficult part and what do you think can simplify or could help you? I think the first Overall is that Web3 today is still a promise. As we mentioned before, the interoperability, portability are not there. There are tons of uh, different uh, blockchains today. There are tons of different uh, smart contracts, etc. But in general, even in the metaverse space, there are tons of different metaverses that don't talk each other um, or, or in a very, very, very uh, limited way. So today, the big promise of interoperability, portability is yet not there. So if you try to do that at scale for Nestlé and you try to apply it for all our categories, brands, markets, etc., it simply won't work. And this is something we know. The second is that it's very unstable. Just to give you a few examples, it took me, when I started looking into blockchain, it took me weeks to transfer my, my crypto from base wallet to, uh, to a MetaMask wallet, which is a simple thing to do. Uh, but for the most, it's, it's very difficult. You, go, you need to go through tutorials and YouTube videos, etc. You will not expect that in something that has the ambition to go mainstream. So the user experience in general, when it comes to, to this ecosystem, needs to go 100 times better with respect to what today is. Uh, today, is Web3 is mostly populated by very technical people. And uh, some consumers that are consuming web three activities, but it's still very, very limited when it comes to, if you look at the numbers, uh, when you say, uh, how do you convince your organization? If you really look into the number, are very low. Uh, so if I just would focus on the numbers of adoption usage today, any CEO of this world will tell you it's yet not relevant at all. Uh, unless you are specifically in a niche in that space, but for a company like Nestlé and many, many, many others, the numbers are not that relevant. They will be uh, possibly in the future. The third is that it's a very unstable, unregulated environment yet. So we have a responsibility towards our consumer and customer to serve them with the best possible experiences and to protect them. If we will build an experience on top of, of, of a blockchain that is unstable, or using certain cryptos that will go bankrupt in a, in a month from now, we have that responsibility. And today, this space is very green in the sense that uh, there is a lot of instability. Uh, I'll give you a few examples. If you go into Decentraland and you try to buy, you will have to convert your crypto from uh, possibly from Ethereum to Matic and then go back to Ethereum. Beside the user experience, you don't even understand why you are losing money while you do that, because maybe you are paying for uh, gas fees, etc. But simply in four different transactions, there is something going on that is very technical and, and you might not understand. We cannot expect our consumer to understand perfectly what's going on behind the scene. And I also seen and experienced myself small mistakes which made you lose your digital collectible NFT or even your wallet, the access to your wallet, because maybe you have lost your, your recovery password, etc. These are 
silly things, but are extremely important when it comes to making feel consumers uh, in a proper way of, of using those experiences. And so it's super unshaky. So I would say user experience, stability, regulation, what happens if something happens? I remember what, and, and you will remember for sure, Sarah, when there were these privacy concerns with Facebook, uh, Mark Zuckerberg sitting in front of the court and, and answering the questions. There was one visible person in front of that court. This is Web2. It's a central environment, but at the end of the story, you have a CEO who responds for that. Who will respond in the future if something goes wrong in the chain of a decentralized model? Who will take the overall responsibility? How is this going to be regulated? Uh, so this is all questions that need to be sorted out. And we, as Nestle, as I said, participated to the standards forum and we want to contribute into that and play an active role and not just as a consumer role on what's going to be next. But we also know that when you change business model, when you change the paradigms of how the internet works, et cetera, there needs to be regulation. I've been in IoT in internet of things in the early days. And I remember that connectivity with objects and privacy, et cetera, was not there yet. And it took us possibly five or six years to the ecosystem to get into a maturity model. And you feel protected when you connect to a connected device today. And I think this is the same journey Web3 will have to go through during these four or five years. Absolutely. And those are great questions that still need some, think need some thinking before we can answer them properly. So keeping in mind that none of us is a crystal ball, like what do you think will the next 10, 15 years look like? And specifically, you know, how should brands position themselves from today to capture this, the upside of this possible future? First of all, I think that uh, something that worked for me is brands need to invest on understanding what's going on. That's the first thing. Uh, when, I, when I started my journey in this, in this position, I immersed myself into the blockchain, AI, quantum world. I was already into those, but, but I really immersed myself to understand firsthand what was happening. I hired the people. Uh, with the right skills to understand what was happening, the builders of this world, to make it sure that we know what's going on. If you don't know, it's incredibly tough to, to be the owner of your journey. Otherwise, you will be executing what the partners will be doing and the, and the technology ecosystem that surrounds you will be doing, and you will be just a receiver of that. But if you want to be in the front um, in the driving seat, you need to understand very, very well, very well. When you understand, you have a very good understanding of if investing is the, when investing really massively is, is the right moment, I would say. So first of all, understanding firsthand what's going on. The second is that I think now, as I said before, is that moment where those five, six are coming together, AI, AR, VR, blockchain, Web3, Metaverse, are really coming, networking. We have huge advances in the networking space, which will allow more and more experiences coming together. In general, I think what we will be seeing in the next year is a digital world where we will blend digital and, and uh, real activities together. And my kid, he doesn't ask himself if he's online or offline. This is something is our mind. Uh, because we have been in the real world for long and then we enter the, the digital world. But for, for the new generation, there is really no difference. The one is the extensions of the other and they complement each other. We need to realize that. So we need to provide experiences that are really seamless from the real versus the digital. Uh, the portability, not just in the metaverse world, but portability in the real and digital worlds in, and that's something we need to start thinking on. Is the same Luca talking with you? Is the same avatar that enters into a decentralized or in a metaverse experience and buys something 
or or as a certain experience, which we might not want to lose when we go back into the real. It, there will be more and more the connection between the two worlds. More and more, I'm a firm believer that AI is already changing a lot of what we will be doing. So there will be more and more automation. And the next big thing I think is going to be augmented reality. Apple is is investing a lot on it, but I think out of the extended reality, virtual reality, possibly augmented reality, because it's an extension of uh, of the real world we are living, could be something really big. And uh, and I would agree with Tim Cook when he says that that could be the next big thing, especially in the in in our everyday experience, but also in the brick and mortar where you are able to uh, to to maybe go and shopping, but have different experiences in a more augmented way. So I think we need to start thinking on how and when those five will mature and come together, what kind of other experiences we will provide to our consumers. Thank you, Luca. We we are approaching the end of the interview. So I wanted to thank you for for being a guest here at Polyweb. I feel like I learned a lot and I took so many notes while you were talking also personally. <laughs> so, and I'm sure also our, our audience will learn a lot from your experience. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. It's been truly, truly great to be with you today and to talk about some of these topics that are really close to my heart. Besides, I do them for a job, that I, as, I, as you can see. I'm very passionate about those and I, I try to help and contribute as much as I can because I think it's about our future in, in general. And thank you so much for giving me a seat in the space in, in your event. Thank you so much. All right. Then see you everyone on the next episode. Bye. Ciao, ciao. That's all from today's episode. Thank you so much for watching or listening. If you find this episode valuable, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel or to the Polyweb podcast on Spotify, Apple, or your favorite podcast app. It will be fantastic if you could leave us a rating, a review, or a comment, as this really helps other listeners find the show. All the resources mentioned in this episode will be linked in the description and in the show notes. See you on the next episode.